Today, I want to speak to you about hope in loss. And I want to look at this encounter between Jesus and two sisters, Mary and Martha, after they have just lost their brother, Lazarus. Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived, we're told, in a small little village called Bethany, which was just two miles from Jerusalem. And they were some of Jesus' closest friends. It says in the verses we didn't read that he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And three things that I want to pick out of this passage tonight. The pain of loss, the love of Jesus, and the hope of new life. The pain of loss. Verse 19 says this, Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Lazarus most likely was a young man uh, who had suffered a serious and sudden illness. And within a few days, he had died. You can imagine the shock for Martha and Mary and all those who knew him well. Any time we lose someone suddenly is a huge shock. And this week we've lost our friend Matt. It is a huge shock. It is a huge loss to each of us who knew him. And many of us will be here today feeling desolate about that. Incredibly sad. Others of us may not have known Matt so well, but we'll still be feeling that pain that others are going through. But there may be many of us here who didn't know Matt. In fact, the reality is that every single one of us, unfortunately, we can't go through life without experiencing loss of some sort. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Many people are experiencing that at the moment. Maybe it's the end of a relationship. Again, it's very common for us to experience these things. Everyone seems to have lost something this year. Now, I'm not an expert. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. But I have experienced loss and grief myself a few times. My father suffered from a mental illness for many years before he died. And I've supported many people as they've gone through loss and there are various models of grief that you may have come across in the past. And I, I'm not going to go into all of those, uh, lots of different models. But what I want to do is just simply express some of the feelings that you may be experiencing at the moment. The first is this, shock and denial. You know, initially grief is such an overwhelming emotion. On Monday, when I heard of Matt's death, I was in shock. I couldn't believe that it was true. Maybe that's what you experienced. And it's not unusual to respond to those intense feelings of grief by thinking, it can't be true. And actually, it works in all areas of loss. You may have had a breakup, and you think the next day, oh, no, maybe I, I, can't, I must be imagining it. Maybe it was just an argument. Maybe it will be fine. A job loss, 
you think, well, no, 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 they must be mistaken. Tomorrow they'll call me and phone me and tell me that I've got my job back. If you've had a diagnosis, this can't be happening to me. They must have got the results wrong. And if you, like me, had the same disbelief when we heard about Matt, you just thought, well, I only just saw him. It can't be true. If you experience that shock and almost denial, then that is a very normal experience. Don't worry. The second stage, I think, that we often experience is anger and blame. Once the reality has set in, you begin to feel angry. How could this possibly happen? We look for someone to blame. It's incredibly natural. Our rational brain knows that maybe that person or whoever we want to blame is not necessarily responsible, but we can't help it. We feel that need to find an answer, a cause, a reason. Again, in, in a breakup, you sometimes think, I hate them. They did this to me. You blame them entirely. Or you blame yourself. If only I'd spent more time with them, telling them how much I love them. With a job loss, we have the same thing. We can think, well, I hate my boss. They're terrible. I hope they have a really bad time in their work life. Or you might think, blame yourself. If only I'd worked harder or shown them my potential, maybe this wouldn't have happened. With a diagnosis, you might think, well, I, I wish they had spotted it earlier. The doctors should have spotted it earlier. Or I should have gone to the doctor. You blame yourself. And in the case of Matt, I'm sure many of us are thinking, if only they had done something more. Or maybe even you've looked at yourself and thought, what could I have done more? And the reality is that these are normal feelings to experience. Again, if you felt that, either blame or guilt, it's normal to feel those things. It's important to recognize them, and it's important to verbalize them. It's very hard to do that, but it's okay to do that with friends that you know. Many of us will need to talk to someone and I would love to encourage you, it might not be now, but in due course, please don't suffer in silence. We as a church have been talking to one another in different ways. Please reach out and talk to someone if you need to. For some of us, that blame might be directed towards God. And that's what we see in this passage, in fact. Mary and Martha, and in fact many people there, turn on Jesus. Verse 21, Martha says, Lord... If you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. Mary, verse 32, says exactly the same. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Others, in verse 37, it says, But some said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? Again, if you've felt that this week, that is a very normal thing to feel. God, how could you let this happen? If you can do such great things, how can you let this happen? The Bible doesn't shy away from those questions. In fact, many of the Psalms of lament begin with, why God? The whole book of Job is around this question of why can God allow these painful things to happen? And I don't have a, a quick, easy answer for you. But all I want to do is to encourage you that if you've felt those feelings this week, it is very normal 
And in fact, it's very healthy to do so. I said there's no easy answers, but I hope that in this passage, we all might find some hope, some excitement to look forward to, because there is something there. But I'm going to come back to that. So, uh, guilt and blame, and then reflection and isolation. I think for many of us, what we do is we run from the pain of that grief, and we experience these things that I've just described, but at some point, we just decide we're going to stop and face it head on. And that can be an overwhelming experience. People can often feel overwhelmed by waves of grief. And that's difficult. You can feel heavy or low or like cloudy and foggy. You can feel like you want to be on your own. Maybe initially you thought you wanted to talk to people and now you feel like you just want to withdraw. These, again, are perfectly normal reactions to experience. All I would say is at some point, if that hasn't moved on, you need to talk to someone, a professional or one of the team here. The last bit in the journey of grief is described by psychologists as acceptance. Acceptance is not necessarily feeling happy or uplifted. It doesn't mean that you've moved past your grief or your loss, but it does mean that you've accepted it. You've come to understand what it means for your life now. And that may be a long way off for many of us. But in those moments, you begin to think, well, there are more good days than bad, bad ones. doesn't mean that I don't feel the pain of loss, but there's been a change. Now, if that's the stages that we go through, I'd love to say that it's very easy because we know that to navigate it, but it's not because it's not linear. It doesn't just happen in that order. Sometimes we jump forwards and backwards. Sometimes it goes around and again. Sometimes we think we're feeling better and then we feel sad. Sometimes we feel guilty for laughing in the face of loss. But actually, again, that is totally normal. I've had some amazing moments this week. I've, I, I absolutely wept on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, even today, though, I had some memories of Matt which brought real joy to my heart. And I'd encourage you to share those memories if you have them. The point is that the emotional roller coaster doesn't end straight away. But to know that there is one is great comfort. And also to know that there are other people on that very same journey as you is another source of comfort. The important thing is not to do this on our own. And to hold on to these two things in the passage. I've talked about the pain of loss. But secondly, I want to talk about the love of Jesus. Verse 33 says this. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he loved Lazarus. See how much he loved him. He was weeping for him. See how much he loved Matt. 
see how much he weeps for him. Jesus wept is the shortest verse in the Bible, I'm sure you're aware. But arguably, those are the two most powerful words in the New Testament. Why? Because it shows us what God is really like. God is not removed from our suffering. He's not somewhere on a cloud just watching it all happen. He is right here with us, in the midst of it, weeping with us. Jesus wept. Jesus said, blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, the best people that comfort you are the people who, knows what you're, who know what you're going through. Jesus knows what you're going through. He weeps tears of sadness for his friend Lazarus, and he weeps for Matt. He weeps tears of compassion for his friends, Mary and Martha. He weeps with you, alongside you. He weeps tears of anger. Why anger? Anger at death. Because death was never what God intended. Death is an unnatural interruption to the goodness of our relationships. It's an affront against our humanity. Death is like a thief that steals away what is most precious to us. And Jesus, I think, in this moment, weeps tears of anger as well. This is not the way it was supposed to be, he says. And that is true. God did not intend for us to suffer in this way. This wasn't the plan originally. We live in a world that is broken, that is ravaged by many things that are not from God. And Jesus in this moment is angry with death for having robbed him of his friend. Jesus wept and then people look at him and say, look how much he loved him. How do you know if someone loves you? Well, Jesus said these words, Greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their life for their friend. That is the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate demonstration of love. And the reality is Jesus didn't just weep for his friend Lazarus. He died for him as well. He doesn't just weep for Matt. He died for him as well. He doesn't just weep for you. He died for you as well. But that's not the end of the story. The love of Jesus is followed by the hope of new life. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you hear that desperate desire to find a reason? But, she says... And this but is a statement of faith. But even though I feel this pain, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha Martha answered, I know he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. In this instance, Jesus does a miracle. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He's there, again, with them. And maybe that's what we would love to see happen. Maybe there's a situation you'd love to see reversed. But actually, Lazarus dies again. But the difference is that when Jesus died, he rose again. Not to die again, but to ascend to heaven. It was a very different sort of resurrection. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he means I'm the one who has defeated death. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, never to die again, it means that the ultimate enemy, the ultimate thief, death, has been defeated. And the resurrection was not the reversal of a defeat that happened on the cross. The cross wasn't a defeat for Jesus. It was actually a victory over death. And the resurrection is the manifestation of that victory. It means that the thing that we fear most no longer has power over us. Death is defeated. As that song goes, the king is alive. What does that mean for us? It means there is hope beyond this life. The reality is that Matt is with Jesus now. He is in a place where there is no more crying or mourning or pain or death. He's in a place where every tear has been wiped away. Every tear that he shed has been wiped away. He is with Jesus. And he's in a place that is better than you can imagine. I remember reading uh, Adrian Plass, the author, talking about meeting an old monk and saying to this old monk, I don't, heaven doesn't sound that good to me. Is that okay to say? It doesn't sound that much fun. It sounds quite boring. Sitting on a cloud and strumming a harp for eternity. I don't, I don't really want to go. And, and the monk says, oh, I think you've got it all wrong, Adrian. Tell me, what is your most amazing event that could happen in your life? And Adrian Plass thought for a second and said, well, it's probably scoring 100 at Lords against the Australians in the ashes. And the monk said, well, God's got to make sure that heaven is at least as good as scoring 100 against Australia in the ashes. I think of Matt playing the best game of lacrosse and winning, or of surfing and catching the most incredible wave, or of taking the mick out of someone and the laughter never ends. Matt is going to be having the best time. And that doesn't mean that the loss of him is any less painful for us. But it does know that we can have comfort. Death is sad, but it's lost its sting. 
And 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, St. Paul writes this, Brothers and sisters, do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those like Matt who have fallen asleep in him. So there is hope beyond this life, but there is also hope for this life. We don't have to wait for heaven to be with Jesus. Jesus draws near to us right now. The same Jesus who wept with his friends, weeps with us. He is here with us. And he's present to us in three different ways. He's present to us through his body. The body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. The family of faith. I've been so overwhelmed this week to come and gather in this building and see people comforting one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? This time last week, we were celebrating the second birthday of St. Nick's. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And immediately afterwards, we mourn with those who mourn. That's the family of faith that we're part of. That's the body of Christ. Through his body, we know and experience Jesus. Through his word, we know and experience Jesus. A friend I know, Philippa Saville, who was a lady in London. She had uh, her fourth child was born with a degenerative condition. uh, And he lived for a long time, but he eventually died a few years ago, and then she lost her husband uh, very soon afterwards. And she's the most amazing woman because she has this deep peace about her, despite the suffering that she's experienced. And I remember she only ever gave one talk at church in all the time that I was there. And she based it on Acts chapter 2. She said, I've pitched, well, this is Acts chapter 2. It says, I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I love that phrase. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. There is deep sadness, and yet that doesn't mean we can't choose to pitch our tent in the land of hope, to choose to focus on the words of Jesus, to know and experience his presence with us. Through his body, through his word, and through his spirit. Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He wants to fill you with hope, not a a hope that is deluded where you sort of don't recognize the pain that you're in, but a hope that is deep buried deep within you, to know that God is with you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And you know, the other thing is that God is an expert of turning what the enemy wants for bad into good. The Lord can redeem. The Lord can restore. He can take what looks like rubble and pick out the rubies. He has a knack of finding diamonds in the desolation. Trust in him. Put your hope in him. 
pitch your tent in the land of hope. And the Jesus who we experience and see in this passage will be with you every step of the way as you do. Amen. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord, we bring ourselves to you again today. And we offer you ourselves, broken and hurting as we are. Lord, we acknowledge the pain of losing, whether it's Matt or anything else that we have lost. We just acknowledge the pain. But Lord, we also want to invite you in to that pain. We want to thank you, Jesus, that you weep alongside us. You put an arm around us and you sit beside us and you weep with us. We thank you that you love us, that you're for us, that you've died to demonstrate your love for each one of us. But we thank you too for the hope of new life. And so, Lord, we ask that you would restore hope within each of us. We thank you for the hope that we have in your resurrection. Thank you that that means that Matt is with you now. And we look forward to the day when we might join him, where there is no more pain or crying or death or mourning. Thank you that you will wipe every tear from our eyes. But until that time, thank you, Lord, that we have you with us. We pray that you would put hope into our hearts through the body of Christ, through one another, through the word of God, through your scriptures, through the Bible, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We choose today to pitch our tent in the land of hope. And we thank you that we have hope beyond this life and for this life. In Jesus' name, amen.